Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to learning, sharing, and teaching the game of basketball. Uh, I'm Steve Kramer here with Coach Tro. Coach Tro, how are you doing today? Doing great. I'm looking forward to diving into a topic that uh, I'm definitely interested on in and uh, something that I think has evolved for me as a coach over time. Yeah, and this is, this is a really, really good topic, something that um, from a player's perspective, I was very um, committed to, committed to. I had, uh, you know, it was a little bit of like an OCD thing for me as far as this topic. So go ahead, break it down. Yeah, talking about uh, pre-practice um, and the opportunity for players to get better and maximize their time. You know, us coaches, I always feel like we're running short on time and I want to get more in. So how can you maximize your time by using pre-practice? Um, if you're fortunate enough to practice right after school, there's usually a little time from when they hit the locker room to when your practice starts. Or even if you dedicate the first 10 minutes of your hour and 45 minutes or two hour time slot to kind of pre-practice um, to get them primed for the rest of that day. Um, I think it's an important thing and it, it can separate because we all know what compound interest is. And if you do that five minutes, 10 minutes a day for an entire season, uh, you can really, really improve skill development of your players. Yeah, this is a, this is a big one. Um, and I think it can almost serve as the serve in the middle and kind of be that comfort zone in that transition period between when practice officially gets going run by the coach and that period of you just got out of school and you've been talking to your friends, you're, you're, grabbing the stuff out of your locker, you're going over to the gym, and it's hard mentally to transition from school to practice right away. And so to be able to have some pre-practice time as a transition period not only can help a player's skill development, like you mentioned, compound interest, but it also can help transition the mind and help prepare them mentally and emotionally for what's about to take place with the coach and with the team. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm glad you brought up the transition from school to uh, the basketball practice because they are teenagers um, and, you know, they're going from a different setting into you know, the basketball setting and actually used to kind of jump them right into stuff. Uh, we'd start with a shooting drill. And I remember it was my second year at Brown City. I always do an end of the season survey. And one of my uh, seniors uh, Jared McPhail said, coach, uh, I think we need more time to warm up, like something before we jump into these, these, you know, shooting drills. And I was like, okay, you know, and then I asked him in person, like, what, what do you think? And he kind of gave me some ideas and we bounced off just ideas of some skill development and ways to transition. Cause he felt as a player, he's going from school, he's going from talking to his friend, his girlfriend to we're, we're practicing. And uh, he didn't have that kind of prime to get him his mind and his body ready for practice. Yeah, and that's really important. And I think as coaches, your mind's going a million different directions. Especially, you just finished teaching class. Your mind's also thinking about you know what you need to do in practice, the upcoming team that you're going to be play to be playing. So it can be easy to forget about the players getting a little bit more comfortable and easing into just like Jared was talking about, like something in between the transition before we really hit a higher level of intensity. Um, one thing that I had our players do when I was coaching at 
USA with uh, Coach Gainforth was you know, we said practice doesn't start when Coach blows the whistle at 3.15. Practice starts as soon as you get in the gym. So we had a form shooting series that we would do as soon as you know, the kids would be done with school. They go into the locker room. They would change their clothes. And shooting was a big thing. And we knew everybody could work on shooting basically together, right? It wasn't like, you know, we had a couple players who, if they dribbled the ball, they're probably in trouble, right? Um, but everybody could work on their shooting. And so what we had them do was, okay, we're going to make, you know, 50 form shots. And this is a time where you're working on your form, you're working on game, but you can talk. You can talk about the day. You can talk to your friends. You can, you can have some fun. As long as you're working on your form and you're doing your shooting, we want you to relax. We want you to get loose. We want you to get comfortable so that you're mentally ready. But we haven't gone from zero to 100, right? We've, we've gone through this progression where you're, it's your job, whether it's 5, 10, or 15 minutes, to mentally prepare yourself and kind of a relaxed, comfortable situation to get ready for practice where you're with your friends, but you're still at the same time improving on your game. And that, that's something that we did, and it worked, it worked pretty well for us. In fact, the one year we were picked to finish, you know, I'm not, that wasn't the only reason that our team was successful, but we were a half-court shot away um, from Bad Axe the last regular season game of the year from winning the league title. They made a, they made a turnaround half-court shot at the buzzer to win it. Um, and we were picked to finish almost last in the conference, conference that season. Um, and I think we did a lot of little things like that right uh, that worked well for us. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting that you brought up the shooting aspect because I've tried starting practice with some ball handling. I had like a series called the Power 200 where they would do some ball handling and I had, you know, some post players working on post, and it never seemed to go as well as shooting. And I don't know if it's just because everyone loves to shoot or if it's a little more laid back. Like you kind of mentioned, you can talk, you can get loose before practice. So this year we did, uh, we called it Kramer form shooting. I wonder who was hey, out there. There you go. Well, I wonder where. We called it that, and they had to go through a series of basically they – five different spots using their form shooting and they'd progressively move back and we would chart their misses. So at the end I would say, you know, Hey, Hey Matt, how many? And he would just say, I missed five today. And we would chart it. And that way they would keep track of it. And it was also something that they, you know, saw growth in or that they could, um, you know, evaluate each day. How, how am I doing in my shooting? And then I would always mention to them, one or two things that they need to focus on. And usually just left the one. All right, what are you focusing on today, Gaden, in your shot? So that way they're just not mind, mindlessly shooting the basketball, talking to their friend. They're at least focusing on one thing. And me and my assistant um, last year also found it is a good time to go around and um, kind of check where each kid's at mentally that day. You know, Kevin, how are you doing today? Give him a fist bump. Give him some, you know, some physical touch, a high five and kind of check in on them and just, you know, have that one-on-one -on -one, um, interaction with them during that warm-up, during that prime time. You know, I love that because once you really start practice, you don't have that kind of time, right? But if you can get your kids in slightly a few minutes before practice actually starts and be able to touch base with them, 
individually, right? Sports life is so much about the relationship aspect, right? And so the fact that you went out to a few players and your coaching staff to a few of those players before every practice, touch base with them, let them know that you care about them, right? Do you think they're going to want to play for you more because of that? Absolutely, they are. And so if you really think about the different benefits that these players are getting on top of just the, the fact that they're getting shots up they're making shots, they're getting repetitions in, it's a no-brainer if, if you can do it. Would you recommend any other – you said you, you didn't like the ball handling as much. You didn't like, you know, kind of separating into some post moves. Is there anything else? You said shooting works the best. Is there anything that you feel like is more of a pro than a con as far as pre-practice? As I mentioned, I feel I felt shooting worked the best. Also, maybe switching it up, which next year I'm going to have a plan of doing, is we'll shoot certain days um, and we'll sprinkle in some ball handling. But if you do anything repetitively, you know, players are going to get a little, you know, bored of it. Um, shooting was the one they didn't get bored of as quickly as the others. But I like the idea of having um, certain players working on certain skills, your post players working on something. And it can maybe even be a little after your shooting. Or if you say you get done with your shooting, you're short in your shooting. Uh, as a coach, I'm fortunate enough to be um, a teacher in the same gym I get to coach in. So I can kind of prime that environment. And we have a projector in our gym. So I would just post the warm up for that day or the pre practice for that day. And, you know, next year I might have it separated by players or you know have their focus on what they're supposed to be working on shooting you know projected up on the screen um you could do that if you don't have a projector obviously if you're a coach that doesn't have that um that luxury you could just print off you know on, on a sheet of paper guards do this or you know certain groups um, work on skill development certain groups work on some finishes um things like that so but it's definitely a time that you have to take advantage of is that pre-practice time or, or even early practice time is there kind of put you on the spot right here? Um, you talked about kind of having a plan basically set in place for the players. Were there any times or, or have you tried giving the players some autonomy and being able to take what they want to do with their pre practice time? So maybe you'd say, okay, you've made X amount of shots or you've done this for a certain amount of minutes. Now, whatever you want to work on here, Go for it. Have you ever done anything like that? I have. And usually it's early in the season when, you know, you're ambitious and you have like, oh, I'm going to give these guys this time. And, you know, you do have time earlier in the season when games haven't started. Um, what I've noticed is some players revert back to something that's comfortable for them. So it's something they've learned from you as a coach already, or it's something that they're just comfortable with, which it's good to improve your strengths. but you know, are they working on their weaknesses too? Um, you know, if you give them, if you give players that time to pick and choose, they're going to pick something that they're already pretty good at usually. Um, maybe it's finishing with the right hand. So I think it, it's good to have a one-on-one -on -one discussion or maybe even have them come up with a plan uh, of what, what that pre-practice might work, look like. And also I've noticed that a lot of kids will shoot by themselves and get their own rebound. And I'm like, guys, why are you doing that? You can get up 10 times more shot if you shoot with partners or you work on a drive and kick and you form lines. Mm -hmm. And 
know, that's something that, you know, I'd like to do a better job of as myself is implementing those things and letting them run with it though. Yeah. Yep. I think that can definitely, definitely be beneficial. But again, there has to be some guidelines, some structure so that they're working on things that are actually going to benefit them as they're playing, playing the game. I know when I was coaching in Perrysburg, Ohio, um, we did some pretty specific things with certain players, and then we were not so specific with, with other ones. You know, um, our two guard might come in, and he, if he can get the coach in there early, and he's working individually with that coach for five, ten minutes, whoever they have on the shots that they're going to be getting in a game. Or maybe it's, you know, the power forward who we run a lot of cross screens for. And they're working individually, walking through with their coach on what they're going to have to do in a game. And then maybe the other 10 players have a little bit more freedom. And then maybe the next day for practice, it's two different players coming out. Um, And I think having that conversation with kids and being realistic of what are the things that truly you need to work on that will allow you to be more successful in a game. Maybe those aren't the things that you're most comfortable with, but we have to have an understanding together of those things and then also that's one-on-one time if possible with the player and the coach and as you mentioned before any time that you can show that player that you that you care about them, that extra attention and communication because once practice starts you don't have as much of that that time anymore no i i agree um and I think it's it's good to have those conversations with the kids and let them discover, you know, through the conversation of what they can focus on if you do get them, give them some choice. Or maybe you give them a choice that day of like three things and they get to pick one of those three areas they improve on. So you provide, you know, stuff that you know the team needs to improve on. They get to pick out of whichever it might be that they think, whether it's, you know, pull-ups or whether it's, um, you know, finishing with your offhand, whatever it might be. And yeah, I 100%. Uh, I'm a huge advocate for that time being a time to go around and make connections with your players. Um, my assistant did a wonderful job of that. He would literally make sure to hit every single kid um, and come around, you know, fist bumps, how you doing? And then he's all a high energy person. So it just brought up their energy too. Um, so it just was a positive way to enter and start practice. So as we, as we kind of finish up this, this podcast, I want to, break down as a player okay so as as myself I talked in the very beginning I had a routine I had and I think it's important for players to understand when it comes to having a pre-practice or a pre-game routine as you mentioned it should go hand in hand with what you're actually going to do in a game right I'm not going to do a bunch of post-up moves as my warm-up if I never post up in a game I was a point guard and and a two-guard so my pre-practice routine playing in Europe, which honestly wasn't time frame wise, wasn't really that much different from when I went to high school and was waiting for practice. Um, I might have spent more time kind of, you know, foam rolling and stretching and things of that nature. But when I was playing professionally, we had uh, the arena that we played in, and um, most of our evening practices, there was uh, another team practicing before us so we couldn't get in the gym and work out for an hour or whatever we had to wait until they were done with practice and then it would come to 
you know, 10, 15 minutes and then we would, we would start. And so my thing was jump rope. I wanted to activate my body. I wanted to get everything warmed up. I wanted to work on my, my conditioning. I wanted to work on um, some of the, just the, the quick feet aspects of, of basketball that we all need. And then a big thing with my shooting stuff is the jump rope helps the shooting because a lot of our jump rope work is in the similar stance to how we, we shoot the basketball from. So I would do jump rope for about four to five minutes. And then I would go into my ball handling and my ball handling, stationary ball handling. And I know we had a conversation about this before. Stationary ball handling, we'll probably have a full podcast on different aspects of this player development because I know we we're talking about it. But the ability for me to be able to get hundreds of dribbles in in a matter of minutes, there's no other way that I can do that. And so to be able to reinforce my, my legs, my stance, my body positioning, and then be able to work on just having that ball on a string for a couple minutes before every practice, you think of how many dribbles that adds up to throughout the course of the season. So not only helping my, my ball skills, but what does that do to my confidence? Knowing that I've literally dribbled the basketball thousands and thousands and thousands of times, not including any of the actual practice that I've had, now my confidence is through the roof in my, in my ball handling skills. And then, as we've talked about, then I would go into my form shooting, and then I would do my form shooting, get a lot of makes up. My big thing was, I, if, if at all possible, I was making 50 form shots. Um, we have a full progression in our online training program that you, you've actually talked about you with your guys. Um, and so I, I've jumped rope to, to warm up and activate my body. I worked on my ball handling skills, especially as a point guard and shooting guard. I know I dribble pretty much as much or more than anybody else on my team. So if anybody's got to have a great handle, it's, it's on me, right? And then shooting the basketball can be done by absolutely everyone. I've seen the basketball go through the basket from short range many, many, many times. And so not only have I had the chance to tweak any things with my form, that maybe I didn't like. So I'm coming in and I'm working on my form. I'm working on my form. And for whatever reason, my finish with my wrist doesn't feel quite right. My hand placement on the ball isn't quite where I want. That's my chance to work through all those little tweaks before we get into our game shooting drills and our scrimmaging later in practice. And now the fact that I've made 50 shots from close range, I've seen the ball go through, even if it's close. I've seen the ball go through 50 times. What does that do for me mentally? Even if I know those were easy shots and close, it's still doing something mentally where I feel like I'm a better shooter because it's gone through, it's gone through, it's gone through a lot of makes and not many misses. Now I'm good to go. I'm loosened up. My handle feels tight. I've seen the basketball go through a lot of times. And I've done that in only 10 to 15 minutes done that in 10 to 15 minutes. I'm good and warmed up. I'm ready to go. I've been communicating with my teammates while I've been doing that. Let's get after it and we'll have a great practice. That's my pre-practice, pre-game routine. That's something that I developed over, over time, bits and pieces of it. But by the time I was finishing my basketball career in Europe, I had that thing down to a science and it felt so, so good to, to have that and be locked in and comfortable in my game 
before we got started with our game of practice. Oh, and I think that is just one way that, um, you know, great players separate themselves from good players is getting themselves physically and mentally ready for practice. And from the sounds of your routine, you know, that's why you were able to play at such a high level. Um, not the only reason, but that's just one of the reasons because you're starting every day with that. And that is just a great way to start practice. And I'm glad you mentioned the athletic development part because I know there's a coach out there that's listening and uh, hopefully they're still listening going, well, I don't have access to the gym before practice because we usually practice later. So somebody's in there before. So the things that they can take away from that is one, athletic development, jump roping, uh, your dynamic warmups, your lunges, um, anything that's going to help your team develop their athleticism, you can do in a hallway. You can do in a cafeteria nearby, maybe a classroom. You can find some space to do it. And then you said ball handling. You can do that anywhere either. You don't need to hoop to do ball handling. All right. You can go through a dribbling series in the hallway, hopefully, or in a cafeteria. Um, so I'm glad you brought up those points because, you know, like, like I said, sometimes we don't practice right after school. There's, you know, a girls practice or a JV practice before us. And we take advantage of doing our warm ups in the hallway and, you know, talking to you. I'm like, man, maybe we should do some dribbling or have the opportunity for some players to do some ball handling in the hallway and the cafeteria to just, help them improve, um, you know, their athletic ability and also their basketball skill. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So it was a similar situation, even though I was playing basketball in Europe to being a high school player where you're wearing, waiting for, waiting for practice to finish, right? You can't get in the gym, you can't shoot. Right. And so being able to get a warm up in, being able to um, get my ball handling in and then, okay, now I can get, get a few shots up with a few minutes that we have left before practice starts. You, you can get a good pre-practice routine in without having access to a basketball hoop. And then, you know, that the activation aspect of like, why was the stationary ball handling really important on top of just the ball handling skills was as a, as a coach, like if you had your whole team doing that, there's not a coach out there who's going to say, well, we spend too much time working on our defense and our defensive stance. Well, with a lot of our, our stuff, our stationary ball handling, as far as our position with our hips, our lower back, our legs, basically I'm dribbling the ball in a defensive stance. And so I've knocked out my defensive stance as far as just being able to lock in and be in a strong athletic foundation, but I'm also dribbling the basketball. And so for the high school coaches who have trouble getting your players to want to play defense, maybe you got to trick them, right? And say, hey, we're working on our ball handling for five minutes. And realistically, the biggest benefit that you got out of it is they've knocked out their defensive stance for five minutes, and they thought they were working on their handles the whole time. Realistically, maybe you don't even want that kid to dribble the ball in the game, right? But you want them, you sure want all five of them to be playing great defense, and you got mission accomplished. So now when you get into your practice drills, you don't have to accept. You've been in practice. You've coached practice. I've done those same things. And there's times where it's like, man, Maybe we just need to sit down in our stance and we would do, you know, 30 second stance holds, whatever holds, working on little steps. We can knock out a bunch of that stuff, honestly, with a basketball in our hands. It's two birds with one stone. I think the overlying the theme that you're mentioning is maximizing your time and whether, you know, you're doing that in pre-practice. And one thing that we haven't mentioned, and I think we should, is the players taking ownership of that. Um, and having them do it on their own because ultimately sometimes ourselves we're running around getting stuff 
as a coach ready for practice or, you know, talking to somebody, talking to a player while the other guys are standing around, what can the other guys do? Um, and I remember one practice earlier this year we had, I don't think we had school. I don't know why, but I remember the majority of our guys got there pretty early. And I said, guys, come here. And I go, when, when, when the other rest of the team walks in the gym, I want them to like, look and like, what are these guys doing? Uh, so they, I said, I don't care what drill you do, um, pick something and get after it right now. And they, you know, ch- chose a driving or driving kick shooting drill. And every player that walked in, I felt like when they walked in, we're like, whoa, what am I missing out on? And ultimately, that's what you want your culture to be is those, you know, those players that are dedicated that get their 20, 15 minutes early to kind of lead the way because then everyone else is going to foul and everyone else is going to start getting there early and everyone else is going to start wanting to be part of that because they don't want to miss out on it. Um, so I think the players really need to take ownership of that, that pre-practice time too, uh, with guidance from the coach, but ownership from the players. Yep. And I think if you can put those two things together, the players being able to take direction from the coach, being able to also have the ownership of what are the things that I know I need to do and put in that on my own. And then from there, your transition of now, can you go from coach to player? And now does it become player to player? And that's when really, really good things happen is when it's not the coach pushing that other player who's maybe not um, getting in some of those fundamental or that dynamic warm up like they should, but it's a player pushing that player. No matter what we do as coaches, it's not going to mean as much as that player doing it for another. You know, as Tom Izzo always says, player led teams be coaches, coaching led teams. And um, he's one of my, like Tom Izzo, legendary, legendary coach. You went to Michigan State, right? I mean, um, and so we know that players have to take some leadership of that. And hopefully after they've done it enough, they earn the respect of their teammates. And now they can start to push their teammates in the right direction. And now once you got that, now there's something special. Your team likes playing for each other, likes playing with each other, and they're coaching one another. And now you're really off and running. And that's all before you've even started practice, making the coach's job that much easier um couldn't have said it better myself and it sounds like a a nice topic for another podcast as far as developing player-led teams cool cool coach anything you want to say before we wrap it up um no um just you know some hit hit on some key points of before pre-practice of you know have a plan uh share the why with your players why this is important the compound interest and then give them some autonomy but also, but ultimately maximize your time um, and, you know, be creative in your pre-practice and whether you have access to a gym or not. Um, so those are some key points to take away. And hopefully, hopefully some coaches out there benefit from this or they can, you know, share and chime in on what they do before practice that they found beneficial. That's, that's something I'd like to hear back from. Absolutely. Coaches listening, we would love to hear your thoughts on what has worked, what hasn't worked. Uh, with with your team and we'd love to learn more from you uh, discuss that in more depth on a future podcast if you have any questions about future topics feel free to contact us Uh, we'll put the our contact information in the show notes below have a great day thanks for listening coach get after it